if you want to start hiking, you haven't got into it. It's never too late. It's just like the same thing. You treat it like a sport. It's like, you know, with basketball, running, like any, like anything, you can get into it anytime you want and just realize that it's more accessible than you think. Just, I would advise to spend a little bit more time like researching it, looking into it, asking questions, ask all the questions you need for that. I would love to talk to you about it and make you feel like you are a superstar and that you can do this with the right tools, equipment, and mindset. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. I am your host, Dr. Weta L. Brown. I inspire and promote movement. I explain how running adds to life from a mental wholeness aspect, how obstacles can be overcome in life to make it to your finish line. Welcome to Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, episode 38. Today I invite Heather Diaz. She is a former long distance runner and first generation hiker, originally from the suburbs of Houston, Texas. She moved around Texas for her bachelor's and graduate degrees. Life then took her to San Francisco in 2012 to change her career. It was while in San Francisco that she met her partner. He asked her to go on a hike for their first date, which led to the Pacific Crest Trail, PCT. The rest is history. After their hiking adventures, they realized they prefer to live near the ocean and mountains, the best of both worlds. So the Bay Area will be her home for the near future. Thanks again for joining me today. Thank you for having me, if anything. So you used to be a long distance runner. Tell me about why you stopped running and how you got into running. I grew up from Houston, Texas. It's concrete jungle, pretty flat. And for me, running was what was accessible and it was an independent sport because I used to play basketball and which was great as a team sport, but I just felt more challenged doing my own thing. And I didn't have to rely on other people. And I can just, all I have to do is put my shoes on and just go. I started like when I was eight and that was so exciting. I can just leave my house. My dad was like scared for me, but he just mm-hmm. gave me mace. It was like, here's mace, just come back (laughs) and we had no cell phones or anything. So just directed me, you know, you know where to go. Just don't go too far out and just come back and let me know when you come back like in 30 minutes. And um, so I used to do, and I felt like so independent and I love just being outside on my own exploring. So, but it's what was accessible and I didn't need fancy clothes. It's just, I would wear my basketball shorts and a t-shirt and that's what I used to do. And then it grew to something more. Uh, and how I got into running was because actually I found out it was good. I didn't even know that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just started placing and meets. I was like, whoa. And I was, I was into basketball and cause I was like pushed into that because I'm, I'm from Houston. And so that was during the Houston Rockets 94-95 championships okay. and then WNBA too. And I was like, and I actually got met to like Cheryl Sroops, Cynthia Cooper, because they won. And I was so like, girl, like power, girl inspired. But then I got into running. And then I, for high school, I actually got varsity, a chance to be in varsity my freshman year. So I was like, whoa, I'm good. And had I got a do I focus on both basketball and cross country, not make varsity cross country? Or should I stick? 
cross country and then just be successful on that and see where that goes. So it's like, well, I'm going to stick with running, even though because it's what I loved. I love just being independent. I still work as a team, but I, I just love running and being outside for a long period of time. So I just, and I, the people I met were amazing. I love my basketball people too, but. You like the running people. Yeah. I love the running community. And then. So you mainly ran cross country? Yeah. And track. Okay. Track. What distance and track did you do? I did 1600 meters, 3200. And then I did shot put and discus because I got kind of bored. Okay. <laughs> so you did a lot. <laughs> If you're in track, you know that the 3200, that was the very first race. And then the mm-hmm. 1600 was the very end. And these big, big races that the varsity won, you're there all day. So your first race is at seven o'clock in the morning and then are eight. And then the 1600 starts like at seven o'clock at night. So I was bored. So I was like, I need to like. Do something in between. Yeah. <laughs> that's who I am. I'm always trying to keep myself busy. Um, but yeah, so then I also got into a running trainer because I had anemia. Uh, so my dad got me a trainer to help me get faster, but mm-hmm. really when I had anemia, but the runner community was so helpful because they actually helped me discover I had that because my doctor didn't, didn't think mm-hmm. I had, I was like 15 years old. Like why would a 15 year old have anemia from that running trainer? I met people from all over the Houston area. And so you would go to the park and everyone would know you, everyone would say hi to you. You have people to run with. So I just love that. And you're outside. So I loved it. I kept doing that. And then um, and then why I got out was because I went to San Francisco. I moved over there. And then um, along the way, what what kind of slowed me down was I kept getting injured. Okay. What kind of injuries did you have? Patellotendinitis. That was one. Um, and runner's knee. I found my old like diagnosis from my orthopedic back. And I was like, I think it was like when I was like 16 or 17, okay. I had that too, but I had to have a knee strap like um, every single mm-hmm. time I run because it just, it kind of like, I just messed it up because I ran on concrete like all the time. I used to run 40 to 50 miles on concrete. Okay. And that's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Was it San Francisco because of the hills or is it just, cause I know it's not flat compared to Houston as far as running. San Francisco is not the hills. So Houston was just flat. So I was able to do that forever. But then um, but my teletonitis started to flare up. Even I did trails. Um, so after seven miles, my like my left knee was wanted to fail on me. Like, I really had to like, when I started doing like half marathons, I had to take ibuprofen before the mm-hmm. race because mm-hmm. I know I'm going to hurt. And then um, what got me into hiking was that I met my boyfriend and he showed me hiking. And what was so cool about that, that was some sort of elite group of people who just go outside and take these pictures like all you see is their back fa- out facing that like everything. And I, and I kept saying myself, like, that's not me. I would just run, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just a runner. They can walk, but I just love to run. But then what I realized when I went to San Francisco is that it's so beautiful. It is. Oh, you would run out. Like ever would start where I lived was so magical. Cause like I get to run through Golden Gate Park and then um, I walk past Alamo Square Park, the full house houses. And I got to go through Golden Gate Park and it's long and I hit the beach and I never wanted to go back and I kept running like toward the beach I'm like man do I have to go back (laughs) because it was so beautiful yeah so then I kept thinking about that because I was somewhere else and then when I met Steven he introduced me to hiking but the coolest thing about him is that he was the first person that asked me to go on a hike but Mm -hmm. saw me as an equal he was like okay you're a runner so you got this you can go on a hike Mm mm-hmm 
So he took me on a first date. He asked me to go on a hike. And so I went on a second date because, you know, that I was like, I don't trust a stranger to go on in a park that I don't know. Like, yeah. Out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> he was showing me things, telling me about like about this area, like the trees and the rocks and everything. And I never like stopped to think about these things. And we see an animal, we would point out because he works for the park. So he knows like. Okay. He, he knows everything. Yeah, he studied park manager, but we almost went to get to the environmental science area. So I have never like slowed down and just like looked at everything so clearly at a detail. So it just blew mm-hmm. my mind away, you know? So and at I, first, were you interested in hiking or was it just kind of a date? Well, I was interested in hiking, just, but I was, I was interested in going because he he studied this. I was mm-hmm. like, so I felt like I get it was a win win. I was okay. like, I go on a hike, learn, be somewhere new, and learn something. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was trying to see the benefits of this my date. Okay, okay. <laughs> I started to pick that up on my dates. Like you know, I pick someone that like he's, he likes to go bike around San Francisco. Like, I want to go bike with him because on a date because I want to know more the city. So that's why I started yeah. learning in San Francisco. Use my dates as an advantage to always learn something new. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> he kept, you know, asking me to go on these hikes and I kept learning something new and slowing down. And that's when like, it, to me, it was like the art of slowing down. And cause I was in my early twenties and, and I loved running, but this was the opportunity to slow down and slow down for me mentally, personally, because I'm always like one thing to the next, you know, always hustling to see what's out there. And I've always was networking, mingling. So I was in my early twenties, going to a show, going to a concert, networking event. I'm always there. So this actually led me to slow down and see nature or something different differently and it made me appreciate it and I learned so much and then when I got into like backpacking what I was thinking before like oh I want to stay out here it's like no you can you can actually like go out there and stay the night I can still go out 10 miles and I can just like sleep there I was like this is kind of cool okay (laughs) I can sleep there I can just eat and just fall asleep and wake up in my nature again Mm -hmm. I never had problems with injuries ever after that I never have to worry about my knees that was like the beauty of that because I with running I kept feeling the pain and it kept made me thinking about like the pain, this pain, this. But after that, I never had to deal with my injuries anymore. And that was like the aha moment, like slowing down, no injuries and just appreciating nature, seeing everything at different dimension. Because even walking through like Golden Gate Park, I'm like, I didn't even know this stuff existed because I was just mm-hmm. trying to run and be the time. Mm-hmm. You were more concentrating on running than you were about your surroundings. Yeah. Season three, we will continue the new segment called Ask the Dub. If you have any questions related to musculoskeletal injuries or musculoskeletal health, go to my website, www.weouilife.com, click on the tab Voicemail, leave your voicemail, and select Messages will be aired and answered on the segment. Now, back to the show. So when did you start your blog about hiking? I started it right when the pandemic started. Well, actually, well, my, my person, I want to hike and lift. I, um, that's because like I, my hours got reduced. So I was working, so I'm still working like 40 hours uh, a month. So mm-hmm. I was like, let me just go back into hiking and fall back into what I loved. And just, I just loved being outside and as long as possible, like it saves my soul every single time, just being there as long as possible. But before that, 
I was always a blogger. I used to blog when we hiked backpack the Pacific Crest Trail. Mm-hmm. After a video blog, I would write afterwards to recap because it was so much easier for me to spit everything out and then okay. just like to remember it. And then I will write a recap about it. But I did that before. I just I just love writing. So you mentioned um, on your website to treat hiking like a sport. And what do you mean by that? Well, many different ways to think about that. But I kind of think it's like as a new life skill because and also like if you treat it like a sport, too, it's like you have to think about it. You have to you know, um, have the, the appropriate gear, wear the, the right clothing, have the right shoes, know that it's going to take practice and practice and practice to get perfect. And you're going to make mistakes along the way because some people, I find people think it's like another walk in the park, in the park, or walk, just a walk, you know, and then they just go out and they don't, they wear stand, they wear flip-flops, a dress and like the battery has a low battery. They don't bring any mm-hmm. mat with the maps and then another out there and it's hot outside. Mm-hmm. So then they just don't come prepared and they don't have the right gear. And they think, Oh, I don't know what happened. It's like, you just thought about it. It's literally just walking, but it's a lot more to that. And mm-hmm. so if you just think about that perspective, you'll also allow yourself to be more prepared and give yourself some mm-hmm. grace because sometimes you'll find out that some places, some hikes are a little bit more challenging. So instead of getting so frustrated, you're just like, no, it's okay. I made a mistake or what I, I guess I'm a little bit tired. It's okay. I'm just going to like, whatever it is, I'm just learning as I'm going to take practice and take research. So like asking people for questions. And when I, you know, like you don't have to get the fanciest gear, but at least wear breathable clothing, you know, at least get mm-hmm. trail runners, at least wear shoes that have traction. You'll have, a lot of success and you'll be prepared. And you'll probably enjoy it more too. If you're prepared, you're going to have a good time. You're going to be successful. You're going to finish that trail and you're going to be so happy. You're going to be flying. So you call yourself a gear snob. What do you mean by that? Maybe I can rephrase it something. Okay. okay. I think that's like the phrase to have it for like for through hiking. I love researching about gear. If I want to find the best shoes, like I will look to all the, like all the different brands look about what's good, what's bad. But actually shoes are not that a great of example because I actually go to a, I would get a recommendation at a shoe specialty store. Mm-hmm. But still like for, for tents, like I will look through everything. I'll look through video reviews. I will look through all the reviews possible and just decide and also look at the cost to see which is the best one and look at the weight. To me, it's really important to kind of read between the lines because I feel mm-hmm. there's so much fluff. And mm-hmm. a lot of times they make you want to buy the the best known brand, but I ended up always going to a smaller brands because they have better quality and they cost less too. So you know everything there is to know about hiking, camping, backpacking gear. Yes, I know a lot. And a lot of times with car camping, I have to say that it doesn't even matter that the names is car camping is not about the weight because backpacking is about the weight. So you have to be really careful with car camping. It doesn't matter. Like I bring my own pots and pans. I'm like, you're not going to upsell me on these hundred dollars pots and pans for a car camping. I didn't even own that for my own kitchen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I still look at it because I want to know like what's so good about this. You know, I'm just so curious. And then I start laughing about that. I'm like, I'm just going to bring my nice pillow and just wash it. I'm like, I'm, why do I need to buy something so fancy? Yeah, when I don't even use it for my home. So you mentioned that your hours were reduced in as far as your regular job. What is your primary occupation? I'm a um, digital media strategist and at an ad advertising agency, do digital media planning, do strategy, content strategy. I used to like write social media copy. Now I just do social media strategy. I do email marketing. 
apps. I'd set up other campaigns too. So I'm like um, campaign manager. It's all the same kind of the realm. It's a small ad agency. So that's what I'm doing right now. So you, I guess you had free time. So you started doing, I guess, your side hustle, I would call it, as far as hiking. What service you and you offer services to people to basically give them the experience, teach them about hiking. Can you tell me about some of the stuff you offer and how you use your primary job, I'm sure, to help with your campaigns for your hiking business, I'm sure. So my background, I study communications, I mean, study advertising, which fell in the like, school of communication. I love to talk. I don't know if you noticed. Oh, <laughs> I can go on forever. I'm like, like <laughs> if, I, if, I was, if I could speak Spanish that well, that's how I speak one of those Latinas that does not, not stop. And the one, <laughs> one, one bow goes to the other. <laughs> but yeah, I studied that. So I actually got my graduate degree in that too. So like I learned so much about just I feel like I have a high sense of emotional intelligence so people say what they want but they're not actually communicating that with words Um, so I have to try to read between the lines and try to like see like okay I see what you want but I think this is what you mean um, based on their goals and everything kind of help them guide them to the right direction and then also utilizing um, what I learned with copywriting which is really powerful because you can have the best product but if you don't know how to show yourself how are people going to buy from you yeah so that's mm-hmm. what I've been trying to use and the biggest thing for me I realize is that actually I come this question how to business coach is that like why people will buy from me and it's like because it's me it's my personality people are drawn to you mm-hmm. oh yeah and I'm honest too I would be, tell you straight up and I'll get you straight to the point I'm not trying to sell you something either I'm just trying to help you get out there so uh, that's what I'm trying to use carry up for my job so I, I'm starting small mm-hmm. you gotta start you gotta start somewhere you gotta small yes Yes, the key is to start. Yes, yeah, start. Yeah. <laughs> it is the hardest thing. And I'll be honest, I don't think I could have done that without a, like my female like entrepreneur like my support group because okay. like it's so hard to start everything on your own, on your own. It's really hard. I admire anyone who does it. So right now, what I'm doing is that I'm offering like one-on-one consultations. Okay. Um, that's the easiest thing because it doesn't require much at all to set that up. You just need a calendar app, you know, a website that can help you schedule like mm-hmm. one-on-ones um, and which is, was very low cost to something that's cost friendly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's really cool because you can fill out a survey. I have a questionnaire. So then I can help me prepare for this interview. And I've done a few for friends already just because I want to test it out. Um, it's, it's just a personal one-on-one conversation. I can, mm-hmm. um, and so I can help people feel just, just talk to them about trail, any personal questions. Cause I don't, there's no outlet for that. It's like, you're kind of on your own. And then once, mm-hmm. and I've talked to people and once they talk to me, they're like, oh my goodness, like this seems a lot more easier and more doable. And I'd even think about even just talking to someone about hiking or doing the JMT or just planning and hunting with my family. Cause they just okay. they have these, all these burning questions, but they might do be, might be too afraid to ask. Okay. Or might just think that they're in their head. Maybe they just think that they're not, you know, equipped for it. But then once I kind of like break it down, it's like, now this, you know, might seem like, like months away from doing this camping trip or the through hiking trip. I see so intimidating. Now all those walls are just broken down. They're like, oh, wow, this is, I can totally do this. You know, let me just sign up. Let me just get a camping trip tomorrow for, for like for the next few weeks. So you actually do this, the survey, the consultation is virtual. Do you meet with them afterwards? I, I meet with them um, through Zoom. Zoom, okay. So you don't meet actually like and do a hike with them, but some, yeah. some of your clients you do. I, I will. 
Okay. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Because when the pandemic is over, I want to do that. But that's like my starting point. And then now I'm trying to like sell guides and PDFs. Um, that's something like, you know, have different tiers. Because you want different okay. tiers. And um, my next thing I want to do is offer like webinars and, you know, courses. So I hosted a webinar and that was so cool. And, you know, I was actually almost 50 slides long. I did it for free. I spent like four days working on this. And I realized mm-hmm. I should have put a po- price on it because people would have valued it a lot more. But you still have your content. You can like reuse it, I'm sure. Like- yeah, that, I'm going to use that because um, I got the inspiration to do a course and that course, which I'm going to probably launch in April. I'm so excited for that because what makes it different than any other course is that it's a kind of go at your own pace. And I'm going to guide that person for like, I'm trying to decide if it'd be card camping or backpacking. I want to do both eventually. But it's like, you know, like I will do check-ins um, like once a week. But at the end of that, they will have like planned a camping trip, backpacking trip. But I want it to be like they're on their own. They're doing it themselves, but I'm there guiding them. Okay. So you're like a backup. Yes. <laughs> and I hope we can get a group of people together. So they're all people who are new, like who are all trying to do this backpacking trip, a car camping trip. They're all like a group together so they don't feel like they're alone. Okay. But still, like I want them to feel like they're in control of it because I did a bunch of interviews. Mm-hmm. I think the key thing is that they can feel like they can do it on their own. I want, I want them to do it on their own. Okay. I want them to be able to do it. And then next time they keep doing it again and again and again and again. What are the major dangers or things people need to know before they go out and venture in the hiking, backpacking or camping things they should, this basic stuff they should know before venturing out if they've never done it before. Making sure if you have a cell phone, that the battery's full, they have a ba- like an external battery charger because mm-hmm. something happens, like you want like a device, you can contact other people for emergencies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, I know that's for sure. Like, And that's why I, I always advise people to do that. And also if they have an iPhone, turn in the iPhone. The locator, the tracking. Mm-hmm. And for out backcountry, going out with no signal, I actually have a satellite communicator too. Okay. That has been something that has mentally helped me so much even though I never really use it at all it's only like one just in case yeah just in case it happens I can always reach out to anybody even has no signal I can send them a text and of course it costs money to buy it it's an investment and you pay money per month but to me I can't put a price on my life in my early 20s I didn't care but now I'm like I like to I want to live you still should care at your early 20s too though but yeah I understand (laughs) now I, I want to live I want to see everything um so one thing that always comes to mind like make sure you have a way to communicate with other people mm-hmm. and then for other ways to be safe you know I like to care like, other things I get fearful for is animals because mm-hmm. um, yeah and usually animals are more scared of you than you're scared of them so mm-hmm. it's one thing to keep in mind but still like it's something that uh, I know a lot of people fear my mom does she always thinks i'm going to get eaten by a bear no mm-hmm. matter where i go <laughs> mm-hmm. but um but that it's just like to remember like they're more scared of you than they are them and usually uh i think it's like for the i think it's like for the black bears you just stand really tall and big and you okay. away or okay. i like to carry a whistle and a whistle is okay I I whistle. That, and it would scare them and because uh, we see years before and we just blow the whistle and they just they were Run scared away. of us Okay, um, and then they went away, they went across the trail, and the other ones I would be scared. I was like like a rattlesnake, I, like I mm-hmm. hate snakes so much. But they're also like to hang up with the shade, and they feel threatened by you. That's when you're. That's when I, it gets scary because then mm-hmm. that's when or when they when they're threatened by you or you're they're threatened 
Yeah, he's both threatening. And also, if they have like kids, like mm-hmm. that's when it gets scary, even with bears. If they're, if you see a bear with like, there's their offspring, be scared. <laughs> okay. <laughs> be, okay. I mean, be scared, right? Of course, be big, but then get out when you can. But okay. usually, when like if you fear for all the animals, is when with their with their offspring or, but usually they're more scared of you. But then also, by then, I always carry my trekking poles. I love trekking poles so much because I use that as a self defense weapon. Mm-hmm. I use that to make noises. And I use that even for like, if I'm crossing streams or like rivers um, mm-hmm. and there's like rocks there, I, I use a trekking pole to test up the rocks and make sure they don't like move or anything. Because okay. that's another thing you might get nervous about is like, what do you have to do is you have to cross a creek? Um, is it safe? Are you going to be stepping on a rock? Are you going to slip and fall? But I like mm-hmm. to use like trekking poles. You probably can find a stick and just try to make sure when you cross something, you can, te- you can make Thank sure you. that um, it's safe to cross. But in case like you're in danger, you can always blow your whistle. And pe- when you people hear a whistle, I consider that like in the middle of like a forest or anyway, I think I consider that, wait a minute, someone's in trouble, mm-hmm. you know? So I would always think about that. I'm trying to think like animals. And then what about like poison ivy or poison oak, if you're not familiar. Yeah. So that one, um, huh, usually that's when I just wear um, like high socks, mm-hmm. maybe kind of down low or above you. That's mm-hmm. a, you know, that's so. But I usually hear, wear high socks and even mm-hmm. if I wear shorts, so I don't have to worry about that as much. If it okay. happen by it, be careful on top too. But you just kind of be better at identifying it. And then what I prefer to do is that I prefer to pick trails. So I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can avoid it because um, I do okay. go with poison oak here. It's usually at lower elevation, but there's okay. some trails that are really well maintained. Like over here, we have preserves. And they're like they're not run by the state nor the um, federal government, so they're like independent. But they pay their their workers really well. Therefore, everything is taken care of. Everything is brushed back. So when you go to these trails, they're like super wide. You'll never have to worry about poison oak. And that's why I just choose those places to go. And I have to recommend for anyone who's going solo hiking, like if you're going solo hiking and you have no one to go with, pick the places that you know are local, that are safe. The other places that might be seen like really back country, I just go with people. I'm like, well, I'm just happy to be outside. I'm going to go these places that I know that I'm safe, that these people that work here get paid really well. So I'll get taken care of because over here, um, I, I, I live in California and the state parks, they're like they're not funded that well. So you'll find poison oak all over the place. I don't know how often people go check it. I don't mm-hmm. do know these other places that people go check out, like the workers, they go patrol. Okay. I took a um, wilderness medicine conference. Was it? It was last year at the start of the pandemic. It was offered via my ski club. And Ooh. they talked, they talked about some like part the difference between poison ivy and just things, just things that you need to be cognizant of in the in outdoors, which I don't think about even though I'm outdoors a lot. I don't think about that either. <laughs> my, my boyfriend does because he works in it. He's like, poison oak, poison oak. I'm like, ah, like I'm just going to like stay in the middle of the trail. Do hikers ever carry like beacons? I know like my friends who ski backcountry, they'll carry it in case they get caught in an avalanche or something. Do hikers carry beacons or things like that? I do know some do when for winter hiking. If I was an avid went like, like a hiker that hiked in the winter, I would carry one just to be safe because I do know we are the ones that create these avalanches by our own actions and our sounds. Mm-hmm. So I would carry that. But because where I live, I don't know anyone personally in my group that carries one. It's something that I would do because I'm just that type of person. Like, that's why I have my 
satellite, um, two-way satellite communicator because mm-hmm. I'm not taking any risk at all. When I lived in, oh, I lived in Portland for a year and I used to hike with some of my interns just to do something. It was just okay. I liked the scenery, but the hiking was just okay to me. I found that it wasn't very diverse. Do you find that in your adventures as far as hiking? I do know for, um, I'm so thankful for where I go in the Bay Area. Like it's diverse and that's what, but it depends on where you go. Like right behind where I live, it's like one of the most urban um, part, well, it's called open space. And you see people from all different colors and I love it. Like, and that's why I keep going, you know, it draws me in, but still it's like, it depends where you are. But I do know for a fact that one thing that hasn't changed is when car camping and backpacking, I don't really see, um, it's not really that diverse, which is kind of frustrating because I love hiking, but I'm like, I experienced that on the PC too, too. Like that's how I, that I know for sure, because there's actually stats about that. I actually wrote an article about this, included this, and it has barely changed. I think it was like 8% of through hikers or people of color. Mm-hmm. And that has like hardly changed every single year. I think it increased by mm-hmm. one, about 1%. Okay. And for like Latinos, I think it was like 2%. Mm-hmm. And there's like more males than females. You mm-hmm. know, there was like 70, I think it was like almost 70% male or 66, 65% male. The rest are female. So I was like lost to 1% out there on the PCT. It was like 0.66%. What is the PCT? That's a, that's a trail. Yeah, that's like a long distance trail. It's like 2,650 okay, okay. miles. Wow, okay. But yeah, I, I hardly saw Adina out there. I think I might have saw like two out of the four and a half months that were did, did the trail. And it, was, it was a bit, disu- I mean, I'm not disappointed. And then I just, I just, I just was like, oh, it's, it was hard to connect to people. I mean, it was kind of like reliving a time in my life when you're just, you don't see yourself out there. You're just kind of in mm-hmm. the ocean. You're like, yeah. I, don't, I don't really feel comfortable, but I mean, just, I'm going to like make all these excuses, rationalize with all these things that's going on. But, uh, but still in the Bay Area, I've been quite fortunate with certain places I like. The open space preserves, those are the ones that have all, um, the pretty diverse. That's why I always go to those too. We met, um, I guess we're both on the uh, Honey Stinger Advisor Board. And so diversity is important to both of us. So that's really why I mentioned hiking. I know you're passionate about hiking and, and outdoors. And I was just wondering, like, um, I guess are there any things in that you want to do or through other organizations to promote more diversity with hiking and outdoors camping and backpacking that's a good question so i'm in this like weird limbo place and i mentioned it in another call because um my most difficulty was that i i want to be a part of a movement Mm-hmm. but I don't really like, but I kind of want to do it now. Like I, I, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. And I reached out to like one and it's like, Oh, you have to be a member, do this and that. But I was like, I want to create change now. Like I don't want to do the whole member process. The thing about it is that I was always involved in organizations. Like I was actually a president of a nonprofit organization for like two years in San Francisco. That was like helping young professionals get jobs and advertising in the city. And I helped a lot of people get jobs. So like that was so fulfilling for me. But and I led like 15 people and I started from scratch. I got to rebuild this whole organization. So and we and then we did things immediately. Someone said, Hey, I want to create change. I want to do this. I'm like, okay, come on. You join this board meeting, tell me what you want to do. You create that event and let's do it. And that's how I was. 
I was like, man, I'm going to do something now. So that's why I'm trying to create my own space here and trying to figure out what can I do. Because right now it's a pandemic too. So there's not much I can do. Like someone actually asked me to, to host a backpacking trip because they okay. want to go with me mm-hmm. and they want to go and just do a girl's backpacking trip. They want me to lead it. And and I was in this, did this webinar and there was five girls like, can you please do it? I'm like, okay. Like, I mean, and why not just start there? And then if there's any other organizations that want to join um, get involved. I'm all for that. Like, but right now for like specifically like St. Jose, I don't really see anything that it's like a fit diversity in the outdoors and people of color. So I, I, I don't really see something like that. So I'm just all for, I'm going to just create something and whoever wants to collab with me, I'm all for collaborations, but I'm just like, I'm just going to create this right now. I know I can do it. I have the passion for it and we'll see where it goes from there. I'm like now on Twitter, I'm on Clubhouse. I'm on LinkedIn too. I'm using like Facebook groups. I'm like, I'm using everything that I know and use and get people from all over and start something. And whoever wants to join collab, I'm all for. If someone mm-hmm. else is like organization, because there's some organizations that are really big, but there's no like local chapters. Mm-hmm. Like if y'all want to find, if y'all want to like say, Hey, I want to start like a San Francisco chapter. Hey, Heather, want to lead it? I'm like, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you're all for it. Yeah. That's, that's where my head is at. Like, I'm just going to start something. And this somehow someone asked to collab or start a San Francisco, San Jose chapter. I'm all for it. I'm like, I'm in, I'm in. <laughs> Part of my podcast is to have guests who've overcome obstacles to make it to their finish lines. Can you tell me about, I guess, the time in your life, either related to hiking or running or anything where you had to overcome a significant obstacle to make it? Yes. Uh, there's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a bunch of obstacles. Like the very first one, I think when I was really young, going through a hard time and was just kind of um, like, you know, bad relationship, um, really bad relationship. And one is that like, I was going to a really dark path, you know, it was just wrong person in my life, not bringing me down. Um, I, I was supposed to go to, I was UTSA, I was supposed to go to UT at Austin. I messed up and I, that ruined that, that way. And I went back home to Houston and then I got to a really bad car accident. And I really thought that I almost, like, I thought like I died. Um, oh, no. I saw white and I woke up. Actually, first I woke up, I couldn't feel. Your legs. Your legs. No, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like freaked out. I like, like scream. And then I saw white and I have all these memories. And then I like came back and I was like, Oh my goodness. And then I couldn't, and I was freaking out. These are jaws of life to get me out. And then I had to relearn how to walk. Okay. How old were you? I was, I think it was 20. Yeah, I was 20. Oh, I, okay. couldn't even, I couldn't even drink. I was like, I was in college trying to get my, my life back together. And then I moved back with my parents and um, they took care of me. I officially moved out of this, this, this bad person out there. I was out of their life. My mom actually went to that guy's house and this, said I want that that stuff is mine 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 and she told me never to see this person ever again your mother was like no (laughs) and then I had to like kind of refigure out everything what I wanted in my life and we reprioritize everything that's where I fell into running again really hard because I was working I was working as a waitress and then I fell into running and the community and that's what really helped me got out of a lot of things, a lot out of it, because that's why I came back to the running community. It was there for okay. me and mm-hmm. they walked with me and I, and I, it was like, it was my therapy. And, and then I finally got back on track. And then that's when I got into grad school, which I thought would be the next best thing. Cause we were in a recession. It was like 2010. Okay. And then I had another 
incident. <laughs> and then I had to reevaluate my life there. Um, you know, it was a let's love one. And that's when I moved to San Francisco. And that was another one because I had to, I had to, Houston was a, Texas was like a vortex for me. So I realized like if I wanted to grow, I must get out of Texas because um, Texas was always like one step, two steps back regarding mm-hmm. innovation and technology. And that I was kind of too like caught up in the past and the history. So I felt like I had to remove myself from the situation and to move forward with my life. Um, but I had to like make sure that it wasn't I'm running away from everything. Cause that was, that was the thing I thought I was running away from stuff. So I had to get a counselor to make sure I'm. That just, was a good move for you. Yeah. I had to make sure the counselor would be like, Hey, I'm, I'm making, I'm being rational going to San Francisco. I'm not just doing this to run away from things. And so I moved there. And then um, that's when my life changed for the, for even better. the better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I got to grow up. I felt like I grew up and got to also live my twenties because in San Francisco, I didn't need a car because that was the thing. I can do whatever I want and live my 20s. And then I had another accident too. I'm full of injuries. They didn't know. Yeah. But also at the time when I had my car accident, I actually fractured my hip. That was the one thing I didn't mention. I fractured my hip. That was a long recovery road. And um, that was the reason why also kind of that injury kind of crept up here or there. Um, but then my, my, my latest injury I had was when I was riding a bike downhill and a car backed into me. And then- oh, no. And that's when I met Steven. Steven thought I was cool because I got hit by a car. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, cool because I jumped out of my bike. I know, bike. but still, still, like. A car came and I literally, like, jumped out of my bike because I was like, I'm not dealing with this. And he thought it was, I was, like, brave for jumping on my bike. So, like, he was like, oh, wow, she was, must be, like, a badass because she just jumped out of her bike. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this guy is I guess cool, but um, but that's when I realized that I was like going so fast, and that's when I really was got into hiking. I was made me get to this realm of slowing down because I felt like I was always going one thing to the next, and then mm-hmm. each accident kind of taught me a new life lesson along the way. And this one made me realize I gotta slow down. Like that was a big wake up call. Like, okay, you did it. You did the move. You did everything. Now just slow down, Heather. <laughs> slow down. Ask you about your move. You said you um sought counseling what did you have any apprehension about going to a counselor when you were going through that transition yeah I learned I learned so much actually um the biggest thing that I learned that I had like I was diagnosed with three PTSDs mm-hmm. um so she actually helped me a lot because I was going through I was like crying all the time I was like having I was mm-hmm. struggling a lot and she uh, made me realize the one thing she some biggest takeaways I realized was like I'm human. I have emotions. Um, it's okay to have these feelings mm-hmm. and just, you know, it's, if you want to cry, cry. Cause I used to just hold everything again. I felt like that was something that I was kind of raised being like kind of Latino is that you just kind of hold everything again, mm-hmm. but I'm emotional with my mom, just like kind of let it go all out and it's okay. She was good. Yes. She was really but good. Did you have any like apprehension? I know some people think it's a bad thing that you when you seek a counselor, did you have any fear or ask, apprehension about going to see one in the first place? I think I did. That's the reason why I never went. I, I held myself back for years. I got to the point I just couldn't stop crying for two weeks. Like every single day, I would just cry and cry and cry. And I was like, something's wrong with me. But oh yeah, my friend, she's a she's studying to be a social worker. She was the one that advised me to go check out a, counsel- like a the counselor on campus. So I felt like 
that's more accessible going I'm on campus I'm talking yeah. to a right. school counselor doesn't feel so official and that's when they told me that I need to see someone like once a week okay all they can help me is once a month like you need yeah. a lot of help <laughs> and I was like okay, okay. I was like dang it I kind of knew that but then but it was nice to hear that like we get you like but you need you need a lot more help and we can't help you here but well um, I'm, gl- I'm glad you went i had after my mother passed away i was depressed and i initially had some apprehension and it took a friend to, to kind of normalize it for me to actually go and seek some help yeah but i'm glad i did and um mm-hmm. it just i'm really really glad i did because i learned so many so many good things and I've learned good coping techniques and um, yeah, it was just the best decision I ever made. Um, and it made me make this trip to San Francisco. I never looked back. It was the coolest thing about that. Cause I was fearful that if I didn't do this, cause I was also a part of it. Like that's was one incentive I thought it in mind. I had to think about like what, like I'm going to do this, but like what, what do I also want to get out of it and that was that one was like um just to make sure this move was right mm-hmm. so i don't back out of the counseling sessions what um last minute words of advice or if anyone's interested in hiking where can they find you if you want to start hiking and you haven't got into it it's never too late it's just like the same thing you treat like a sport it's like you know with basketball running like any like anything you can get into it anytime you want and just realize that it's more accessible than you think. Just I would advise to spend a little bit more time like researching it, looking into it, asking questions, ask all the questions you need for that. You can DM me. I would love to talk to you about it and make you feel like you are a superstar and that you can do this with the right tools, equipment and mindset. Um, Cause I want everyone to, to feel and know that they can go outside too. It, you know, if you think it's some sort of elite club, like that's like a narrative that someone else created. We can create our own narrative. And that's what my mission is. I'm creating my own narrative, how it is to be outside and how to what it looks like. I'm wearing all my favorite gear, clothes. The other day I wore my fun, like I wore, I had a hat. It was like a hat that I bought at a thrift store. And I just brought it out there because it was cold. I was like, I'm gonna wear this fun hat. <laughs> sure, why not? Just like why does it matter? I'm like, sure, I'm just gonna bring this white fur hat out because I want to know like <laughs> any fact, like because no one is gonna tell you like what's right or wrong, so you can just own it. I'm I will be your biggest cheerleader too. Trust me, if you follow me, if you send me into hiking, I'll like comment and like I would follow up questions saying, So when are you going that hike? When are you doing that hike? <laughs> I'll make sure and I have no boundaries. Well I well, part of like being Latina, I have no boundaries. I mean, I grew up with no boundaries. I'm trying to be better about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I'll put links to your Instagram page and your website on the show notes. Thank you. Thank you. It was great talking to you. I love this. That wraps up this episode of Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you already haven't, please download Running is Cheaper Than Therapy podcast on Apple, Spotify, or however you listen to your favorite podcast. If you have any questions, concerns, or possible show topics, please email Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, OLB, Omaha Love Brown. Again, that's Running is Cheaper Than Therapy, Omaha Love Brown at gmail.com. I also can be reached via Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Handle We Life, We Love. <laughs>
Oh, you are life. Oh, you are love. Thank you, and please tune in again.